0: well good morning everybody it is so good to see you my name is joanna and i have been gone about the last four weeks kind of traveling through texas and arizona and they all kind of blend together because they all say 110 degrees and higher so i kind of checked out after that it was very hot but i had such a good time visiting family and just seeing these amazing places that god has created but let me tell you, there is no place like home. And right, and for me, that is the Central Coast and absolutely here at New Life. And um i had the opportunity that i was able to be part of church online and i had never really done that before and what a blessing that is for those of us that are traveling or live away or for any you know any reason can't come here just to be part and i was just telling david the only thing that's really different is doing worship in the car while you're traveling I definitely did not sound as good as I do when I'm in here with you all, but it is such a blessing to just be together. So if this is your first time here, welcome. And we are so glad you're here and we just hope that this feels like family to you and feels like home. And we invite you over out to our connection counter after service. We would love to meet you face to face get you connected and just make sure that you know that you are so loved by God and he has such plans for you and next week is a great time to get connected we are having our beach baptisms and they're going to be at the end of grand at five o'clock we just had a baptism meeting in between services we had about 35 people in the meeting several some of them are in here that we are so excited to just be part of the baptisms and hear your stories of what god has done in your life so we invite everybody to come down bring a chair we're going to have a bonfire and just have a really special time after so would you just stand up with me as we get ready to worship and meet somebody for the first time and just share something that god has done in your life something you're thankful for this past week
1: darkness, my God.
2: that name, the
1: name of Jesus. You are King, that is who you are.
2: God, we just take a moment to remember your faithfulness, to remember that you are the promise keeper, that you say you God who you are. God, we lean into your mercy, Lord. That is who you are. We lean into your friendship. that is with you. that you've set out, everything that you've promised for your children. God, we know that we don't worship you in vain, Lord. We also don't worship you that we might receive anything. We worship you because you are worthy of that. Let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is from now on. You do know him and have seen him. He says, have I been with you all this time? Don't you believe that I am the Father the Father is in me? I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me do the same works i have done and even greater works because i am going to be with the father you can ask for anything in my name and i will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father yes ask me for anything in my name and i will do it so father god we just ask for an increase of faith in this place this morning we ask for an increase in faith this morning you know our hearts, you know our struggles, Lord. But we put our faith in the living hope, Jesus Christ, Lord. The one who is worthy of our soul. So God, even now, just reveal more of your presence to us. Reveal more of your loving kindness to us, Lord. As we continue with singing, Lord Jesus, you are worthy of an Body, just declaring your praises, Lord. God, we thank you just for this opportunity. Help us not to take it for granted. Continue to make us more like you. Shape us into your image. Disciple us, Lord, and bring us along and help us just to take on the character of Christ. And continue, Lord, just to teach us more about your kingdom and your ways as we continue in our time of worship this morning. Thank you for seeing us and for loving us, Heavenly Father. It is a privilege to sing your praises, God. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay,
3: good morning. We are going to continue in our time of worship through the offering. So I will invite the ushers forward to receive the offering this morning. Um, This is just one of the ways that we get to be generous as a church, um, being thankful and grateful for what we are given and recognizing that we can use that to bless other people. Um, We have school starting in a very short amount of time from right now, which I'm a little bit grateful for because I have my little people at home and I'm ready for them to go back to school. They also love school, um, but there are so many things that have to get done and purchased and all of that to be ready for school to start so think of some of the things that you think families need to be ready for school to start yes you're you're picturing school supplies right you're picturing pencils books crayons folders the four different colors of folders for the different classes that they're supposed to be in these are the things that you think of probably very few of us if any of us thought of food because we usually don't have to think about where our food is going to come from how we're going to be able to pay for it all of those types of things but for a lot of families that is a big concern for them is how they're going to have food for their families so we at new life get to have a you pick food pantry that 160 to 180 families get to come through every week and shop for their family. They get to pick the items that are most needed for them. Um, As school starts, there's gonna be those families thinking about what they need to eat at night, what they need to have their kids get food during the day. And a lot of our shelves need refilling, so we need your help with that. So on the slide, it shows the specific things that we're asking for. However, we do accept things not on this list. This is just what we're really pushing for at the moment so if you want to take a picture of this slide so the next time that you are grocery shopping for your own family if you are able just grab a few of these things bring them with you and drop them off in one of the donation boxes Um, it would just be a great help to serve and bless the families in our community as they um, just come and get what they need so thank you for partnering with us and with that another way that we are generous as a church Also, um, the men at New Life have been pretty good about having these quarterly gatherings where they get together and fellowship and throw axes and do all these fun things. And the women got a little jealous. So we're gonna have our own women's gathering coming up. Um, So the last Sunday in August is gonna be our first one. We would love for you to sign up to come. We'll eat dinner together. We are also gonna throw axes and see how that goes. (laughs) So yeah. Um, But it will have a message for us, a time of connection and fellowship. So we would love, love for you to sign up to come. If you are a woman at New Life who's already plugged in, still come. Bring your friends with you. This is a time for all of us, not just new people, not just people who have been coming here for 30 years, all of us. Um, If you're not connected yet, please come so that you can meet some of the other women. We'll also be talking about the ministries that are all about to kick back off in September. So you can kind of see if one of those fits well with your schedule so that you can have your cup filled. But we would love to have you. Okay, we have a great message coming from Pastor Gina today, and we're going to watch a short video to prepare.
4: Stories are the language of the soul. They have a way of penetrating the heart in a way few other influences can. This is why Jesus used storytelling so often to illustrate deeper truths. He knew the power of a story to cut through to the heart. These now famous stories are known as parables they were Jesus's way to communicate an important kingdom principle in a form that we could remember and that would meet us where we are at although the details of these stories were fictitious the kingdom principles are not To continue to remind us who God is and what He calls us to be a part of and how much He loves us.
5: Well, good morning. Good to see all of you guys this morning. You know, as I was listening to Katie at first service, she mentioned, you know, it's that time of year where everyone goes back to school, and it occurred to me like, it's August already. Like as I get older, I don't know where the time goes, but it goes by really fast. And so it's a little shocking to realize we are halfway through 2023. And yeah, it's that time of year when you do, when your kids grow up and you don't live by the school calendar anymore. You kind of forget of all these little things. And so. It's just interesting about going back to school i was talking to a school counselor who said that teachers and professors principals are all already back i guess getting ready for the school year and so it's just a lot and even pastor david he is off right now with his family he is dropping one of his sons off at their first year of college And so it's, you know, there's a lot of transition that happens at this time of year. And I think sometimes for some of us, we forget about it a little bit, but you know, dropping your kid off at college is great. It's awesome. They've arrived, they get there. And at the same time, you're like, what am I doing? Like, this seems so strange that I'm just gonna leave you here and hope for the best. And so, uh, Uh, so what I would love to do is remind you guys that you know when that we think of our families, when we think of the New Life family, there's a lot of transition going on right now. Whether someone's starting kindergarten or someone's going off to college or maybe you're living at home and you're going to junior college and everywhere in between. Just parents go through a lot at this time and families go through a lot. So let's lift them up in prayer and let's remember to pray for them as we go through the month of August because this is a season that has a lot of joy and a lot of complication to it. So speaking of seasons, another season that I know and I'm really aware that we are in is the wedding season. I am amazed at how many people are getting married right now. And I say that because obviously when the pandemic hit, there was uh, no one getting married really. And so we didn't have any big ceremonies or anything like that. And I feel like now that we've gotten as far as we have from the pandemic, I have more premarital couples than I know what to do with at some point. So, um, but I do love premarital counseling because everyone's just so happy. They are just like, we're gonna get married and it's gonna be great and it's all gonna be bells and whistles and love and we're just gonna And You're just like, I'm here to ruin that theory. But, uh, (laughs) you know, like, it's awesome. And they're also so excited that they do, uh, you know, they do the homework and they're really invested and they wanna start off on a great foot. They want to have a solid foundation, uh, standing on the Lord, being able to figure out how to weave two lives together. And I think that weddings are an interesting, I guess, idea, celebration that we all are pretty much aware of or have some knowledge of. I mean, it's one of those things where we get pretty excited if we're asked to be in someone's wedding. We get pretty excited if we get invited or you receive that save the date that says, hey, I need you to put this on your calendar because there's an invitation coming. Like, We want you to come not only see the ceremony, but to celebrate with us. And I think weddings are so impactful, and I would believe that pretty much every person in this room has either seen one or has some kind of knowledge of a wedding. the only reason I say that is because I was a little shocked to find out that royal weddings are the most viewed thing on TV. Like millions and millions and millions of people watch the royal wedding. I was just floored. They say everyone tunes in. I am not one of those people, but you're just like, everyone tunes into the royal wedding. They wanna know what you're wearing, what size hat you have, like all of those type of things. And I didn't realize, I can't remember the number, but it was pretty overwhelming how many people actually watch these weddings and that we care that much to know and to see and to observe and be a part of that celebration. Which, when I think about it, makes sense as to why Jesus would use a parable or speak in a parable about a great wedding feast because we can all relate to it in some way. We all have some kind of knowledge about a wedding and a wedding feast or a reception. And so he uses something, we're in this series this summer, we're looking at the parables of Jesus, we're learning and going deep into them, and what we realize is this: here's another thing that he uh, brings up and uses as a picture for us that we can relate to in order to reveal to us something that we don't know. And so this parable is talking to us about the kingdom of God. And so we're gonna be in the New Testament. We're gonna be looking at the book of Matthew. So if you brought your Bibles or if you uh, have your phone, your iPad, it's not a sin to pull out your phone unless you're texting, then that's a question. But uh, we are gonna be in chapter 22 and we are gonna be in verses one through 14. And so we're gonna read this and I'm gonna read it all the way through so we get the impact of the story and then we'll break it down afterwards. And so it reads like this, chapter 22, verse one. Jesus also told them other parables, he said. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready, come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized the messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and he set out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen." So I don't know how many of you have read this before. I found out when I got ready to study it, I picked this. I knew that this is something that I wanted to do. I had never really dove deep into it. And you read it on the surface and you're like, this is kind of crazy. Seems like a little bit of an overreaction to a lot of things. But when you dive into it, it has so much more meaning. And one of the things I discovered very quickly talking to other pastors or looking up pastors who had preached on this, is that almost all of them started off saying, that this is the parable that no one wants to preach. And I was like, huh, I don't understand what happened. Like, I, I don't get it. And so I read through it again and as I studied it, I think the conclusion I drew is that the reason why they don't want to preach about it, speak on it, teach on it, is because it's pretty much in your face. This is a parable that doesn't soften the blow about how we get invited and how we are called and be part of the kingdom of God. See, and I think this is important for us today because we have a tendency to soften Christianity. We have a a tendency to kinda just wanna make it soft and easier for people to become Christians. We are like, oh, it's okay, you're fine. Like, God loves you. And we want everyone to just be okay because we don't wanna offend anyone. And I think what I learned about this parable is it's in your face. It can be offensive. It can be hard to swallow because the path to the kingdom of God to get into heaven is narrow. And I think as a people, especially today, we try to soften it and widen it and make it easy and we don't want anyone to be challenged because we just want everyone to be okay. But the problem with that is, is that we don't really know him as Lord and Savior, and we don't have lives that are transformed, and we water down the church, and we start looking like everyone else. We end up not standing apart, and following Jesus so closely that we become more and more like him. The more we water it down, the less transformed we will be. See, truth is hard. Truth is hard, it's hard to swallow when it, it catches you and you're like, whoa, like that really is offensive to me or that really is like hard for me. Okay, I can tell you right now I'm super excited that someone was super offensive with me and shared the truth. I'm excited that someone had enough faith and enough gall to walk up to me and basically say, change. And it's not just as easy as saying, oh yeah, you're gonna be a Christian. It is giving my life to him, giving up everything I had ever done, giving up who I thought I was going to be and surrendering for him to make me who I am supposed to be. And so I think this is a hard parable, but I want us to hear it. My prayer is is that we're here today and there's no distractions, that nothing takes away from God's word this morning because we are called. We are called to be a people that are different God is calling us, but are, are we gonna receive the invitation? And greater than that, what are we gonna do with it once we receive it? Not only are we, go, are we going to take the invitation, but is it, are we going to allow it to transform our lives? So let's dive into it. The very first verse, it says, Matthew makes sure that we know that Jesus also told them other parables. He just starts off with that. And he wants us to know that it's true. In the book of Matthew, there's a lot of other parables. You can read all kinds of them. But what he wants to make sure that we understand is that this is not a parable that stands alone. It's actually one of three that Jesus taught after coming into Jerusalem. So just to make sure that we're all on the same page, not everyone has read their Bible, not everyone remembers stories or things like that. So to make sure that we're all on the same page, What happens is, is in chapter 21, the chapter right before this, we learn that Jesus is now entered Jerusalem. And he's fulfilled prophecy. He's come in on a donkey. He has literally coming in, and he's not coming in quietly. There is literally tons and tons and tons of people who are following him, who are laying down their garments, that are basically creating a parade that Jesus is the center of and he comes into Jerusalem, and it actually says at one point in chapter 21 that every single person in the city of Jerusalem was there. Every single one, which means that even the rulers, the high priests, the elders, every single person was aware that Jesus was there. People are talking, people are sharing, People are declaring him. They just can't get close enough to him. They wanna hear it so everyone hears, including the religious leaders. He's not only in Jerusalem, but he goes to the temple. He doesn't exactly do that quietly either. He kinda has a little bit of a moment and he table flips a few things, because he's kinda like, hey, this temple is not for you to make a profit or to sell things. This temple is to honor God. This is where you honor my father, and so you know, He turned over a few tables and made a mess of some things. He was like, this is not a marketplace, right? And then he goes into the temple and he teaches and people want to hear him. He doesn't only teach, he performs miracle. He heals the blind and the lame. All kinds of things are happening. People are murmuring. Well, the religious leaders, they're not having it. They want this to stop. He's got everyone's attention. And so what we read in Matthew 21 is that they decide that they're going to question his authority to be doing what he's doing. So in Matthew 21, 23 to 25, it says this. When Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? So they're mad. They're challenging what he's doing. Verse 24, Jesus says this, I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? Now I got a kick out of this for whatever weird reason because he was like, I'm I'm gonna ask you a question. He's like, no, I'm gonna ask you a question. And so he's like, I'll answer your question if you answer my question, which we do that to each other all the time. So I was like, yes, we're not actually abnormal all the time. Like Jesus did it too. All right? And he's like, did he baptize by the authority of heaven or humans? So, what they do is they kind of gather together and they start and they realize that all the people can hear him. And they're stuck. Because if they believe that John the Baptist baptized by the authority of heaven, then they're going to question why are they not following and why are they not obeying? But if he baptized in a human, then all of these people are gonna mob them because they believe in Jesus. They believe he is the son of David. They believe. And so they're like, we have no good answer to do here. Like this is gonna end bad no matter what. So their answer is, I don't know. We don't know. So then I love it because then Jesus is like, you're not gonna answer my question so I'm not gonna answer yours either. (laughs) I was like, that is so glorious, I love it, right? He's like, we're not answering it. Now, he does answer it later, and we're gonna come back to this as we go through the passage, because it's relevant to what we're doing. What happened in, in chapter 21 is relevant to chapter 22, because all of these parables, the three parables he's been teaching since he's entered the, temp, the temple all have to do with the kingdom of God. And so, in verse two, we pick up in chapter 22, it says, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. Now it's important that we understand what this is all symbolizing. The king is throwing this big banquet, this big party, this big wedding feast. The king is God. That is who he is looking at, it is God. And this big wedding feast for his son, Jesus, is being thrown to all of these people who are invited. And this wedding feast is like the the kingdom of God. He is offering the kingdom of God. He is saying the kingdom of God is here. The Messiah is here. And so come. And when he sends the messengers, when he sends his servants, they're messengers. And I want us to remember that they're messengers, the people who are going out and rippling out the gospel, the good news, they're sharing about Jesus, they're telling people, they're talking. And so he uses this analogy and he puts this out there and he says this great wedding feast because we all can relate to it. And so we have God and he's invited all these people. And what's interesting is he says he sent the servants to notify those who were invited. See, it's important to note that all of these people knew that this event was coming. They were all already invited. Every person who was invited already knew. But things are a little different back then than they are now, mostly because they didn't have mail. But, like, we get, like, save the dates. And then we wait for the invitation to come. But it has the date, probably the time, the whole bit. Back then, what they did was, is they went out and they invited everybody, but they were not given a day or a time that would be to be disclosed. So in other words, you're invited, but not only are you invited, when you dive into this, you realize they must have said yes already. They accepted the invitation and now we get to the place, it's like, okay, it's time, we're here and then they refuse to come. So I don't wanna paint the picture like they were caught off guard or like they were already busy doing something else. No, they knew that this was coming. They had already said yes, and so to think about it, you invite all these people, all your friends, all your they all say yes to your wedding, to your banquet, and then you get there and no one comes. That would be so disrespectful, so hurtful, such a letdown to know that you said yes, and for whatever reason, you choose not to come. But what I love in this passage is that God, the king, He doesn't give up. It's not a one and done and he washes his hands of it. This celebration is going on. And he is going to send out more servants. He's going to keep doing it. And I think about it. And I really want you to think about this. How patient is God with us? He will call us. He will invite us. And he will be so patient. He just doesn't give up. It's not a one chance thing. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to accept the invitation to be in his presence, to come to him, so he doesn't give up. And in verse four it says, so he sent other servants to tell them. The feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready to come to the banquet. Basically, he's like, let me go into detail about what I'm inviting you to this isn't some lowly event. This is a royal wedding. This is a royal feast. I have fattened cattle. Everything is ready. When you get here, you don't have to do anything. Just show up. You don't have to bring a dish. We got this. You don't have to work. You don't, I just want you to come. And so the king gives detail. This is what you would be coming to. This is how great and glorious this invitation is. Do you understand the importance? And so they, he says all of that and he says, but the guests in verse five, he had invited, ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others actually seized the messengers, insulted them and killed them. Now, seriously? You're gonna kill someone because they don't want to come to your wedding? To your feast? Like it seems extreme. This is where we have to dive deeper into the scriptures and not just take it for, sometimes for the surface or for the translation that it is. They refused to come. They already said yes. It's like, man, let me give you the details, come. But instead the guests, those who were invited, they chose to do their own thing. Their world was more important. One goes to his farm. I mean, okay, is that really more important than what we've got going on here? But I guess that's what you're choosing. One goes to his business. That seems lame. You're gonna choose that over coming to this wedding, to this festival, to this feast, to this celebration? I'm inviting you. But they refuse. They refuse the call to come to the kingdom, to the kingdom of God. So, one of the things that's important is like, by refusing the imitation, the banquet, the celebration represents the kingdom of God. That means they're refusing the call to come. To come to his kingdom. And what's so odd is that, this is what they've been waiting for. This is what they've been waiting for. We're talking about the priests and the, the scholars and the elders and all these people who are so schooled in the scriptures who know it, who are teaching others, who will call you out on your sin, who are probably always dressed for a wedding and they're not gonna come. They're refusing the call by God to come to the kingdom. And so the king gets furious. Sometimes I wonder, do we think about that? In verse seven, it says the king is furious. Do we know that God gets upset? Do we know that our Father is unhappy with some of the things we do? See, I think we have a tendency to paint the picture in the kingdom of God as just like a really fun, loving playground. You can do whatever you wanna do. God loves you. Yes, he does. But man, does he like what you do? No. No. God loves us. He loves everyone. But does he love what we do? Does he love that we would choose our will over his? No. And I think sometimes we don't want anyone to think that God would ever be mad at us. They would ever be frustrated or furious or angered that we choose the world over him. But church, he does. He is a jealous God. He loves us. He has expectations for us. And I think sometimes that's the other part we want to wash away. There's no expectations. You're good as you are. That's not true. There is an expectation. We have a responsibility if we are going to call Jesus Lord. We are a people who are not to look like the rest of the world. We are a people who are to love our neighbor and love our father and to live this life for him and nothing else. Nothing else. And so he gets furious. He Says the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. So the king's furious. I'm not giving up on this celebration. This is still happening. My son is here, the Messiah has come. He is not throwing this away. Instead, fine, those who I first invited, which by the way refers to most of the religious leaders, the elders, the people who know you don't wanna come, that I'm inviting everyone else. This kingdom, this is celebration, this kingdom is open to everyone. And we get a little insight into who everyone is, where it says the good and uh, and the bad alike. Because if we go back to the chapter that I was talking about earlier, the chapter prior to this, chapter 21, Jesus does come back to the answer about John the Baptist. He does answer about authority and he does tell us in his answer who these good and bad people probably would be. So in Matthew 21, 31 to 32, it says this. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live but you didn't believe him while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw that happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. There, it can't be more direct. He's like, you know that John the Baptist came with the authority of heaven. He was doing God's will. He was a messenger, a servant of God who was killed for being a messenger of God who was beheaded for the most ridiculous reason on earth. And literally he was serving and you guys know that. He's saying to the religious leaders, you know that and you still don't believe. You still are not taking the invitation. He's like, you have watched now tax collectors and prostitutes, people that you deem, we deem as useless, the low of the low wouldn't be getting into heaven. They know, they believe, they accept the invitation. And even when you saw that, nothing, nothing. See, I think sometimes we label people who is gonna be in and who's gonna be out. It says prostitutes, tax collectors, We can add to the list. There are child predators. There are people who make horror, there are bank robbers. There are people who murder. There are people who steal, lie, destroy. And I gotta tell you that God loves them. But he is not super excited about what they do. But that doesn't mean that those people do not have an invitation to the kingdom of God. And I know we write people off I know some of you in this room felt like you were probably written off. But when you were hit with the truth, when you were heard that Jesus had died for you, that he rose again and he bore your sins, you realize that there is hope. You realize that God sees you and that salvation was for you. It is for everyone. This is so important because we have so many people who can quote scripture. We have so many people, I had a guy one time, he just rattled, every answer he gave me came in scriptures. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I didn't even know if they were accurately anything and I wasn't gonna look them up. I didn't know, it wasn't, it was weird. I'm like, great, you have all this knowledge, but you are literally abusing someone. You might think that you know God, But do you know God? You know God when you have been transformed. When your life starts to change. When you start to become the person that he has created you to be. See, no one's a lost cause. It just depends on whether or not we're going to receive the invitation to come. Are we going to respond to it? Anyone can respond to it anyone, but you can only respond to something that you've heard, you've only, you can only respond to something that someone shares with you, church, we are supposed to be sharing the gospel, do we know that we are supposed to be sharing the gospel, do you know that you have a testimony, you know, I was said this in last service, it's like, I don't understand why people think they have to have a dramatic testimony, like, I need to be an ex-drug dealer, or I need to be a bank robber, or I need to be, stuff, fill in the blank. Like, something dramatic in order to have a testimony. You have a testimony if you call Jesus Lord. You have a testimony if you can testify to the change that the Holy Spirit has done in your life. You have a testimony. And that testimony is not for us to keep to ourselves. It's not given to us where our transformation isn't happening so we can pick and choose who we share it with. We are supposed to be sharing it to all who will listen, anyone, and I know it's scary because we don't want people to not like us. We don't want people to think we're crazy. We don't want to offend someone. We don't want to get into argument. You know what, get into it. Don't argue, I'm not actually promoting that, but but say it, share it in love, walk it. Actually be. Jesus, we can only do that by spending time with him, learning about him, getting so close to him that we start to act and love and be like him. It is open to anyone and everyone. He goes on in verse 11, back to chapter 22. So now you got this room full of guests. It's just packed full of people. And in verse 11 it says, but when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you're here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. So here we are, we get to this place and they've invited all these people and all these people have accepted the invitation and they are there. And then the king comes And he sees that one person is not dressed in the attire. Now, for those of you who think that God is judging based on appearance, he's not. He doesn't judge us based on what we wear to church today, though we judge each other based on what we wear to church today. That's not a thing. What he's doing is he's not about appearance, but it's about an attitude. See, when all of these people came, more than likely what happened was they're not ready to be invited to this huge wedding banquet. They're pulled off the street corners. They're prostitutes, tax collectors. They're doing their thing. They were given probably wedding clothes to put on and participate with. But then there's this one person who chooses not to put the clothes on. And he's asking him why. And see, I think part of it is this represents a lot of what we see here in our time. A lot of us come to church. A lot of us come to church and to Bible studies and we come and we participate in events, but we don't allow what we hear to penetrate our lives and transform us. Because we come in with an attitude sometimes of I'm checking this off the list. We come in with an attitude of this isn't for me. We come in with an attitude of, he can't fix this. Or we come in with an attitude of, you haven't fixed it like I wanted you to, so forget it. See, people will come. We can come and take the invitation and say yes. But will we allow the Holy Spirit and all that God has for us to actually enter our lives? to change us, to transform us, to make us the people, the sons and daughters of the most high God. This is important because when we come here, we wanna become ready to hear all that he has, for the seeds and the word to hit our hearts with hearts that are ready for it to get in there and grow and change us. Sometimes I think we come in and we're like, I just need you to do what I need you to do. But see, that's what happened in those invitations. My will, they went with their will, not his will. When we come with the invitation, when we come to hear his word, when we come to know him, it's not about us, it's about him. We are here for him. We are here to be more like him. And here's an interesting piece on that verse it says that the man didn't reply. Who else didn't reply? The chief priests and the elders. When they asked, when Jesus asked them a question, they said, I don't know. They didn't give an answer. And it's interesting to me that that same concept happened with them as it happened with this man. He did not reply. And sometimes I think we fool ourselves into believing that if we just don't answer, at least we won't get in trouble. Sometimes our silence speaks volumes. Sometimes we have a tendency to let everyone just slide. You're good as you are, it's fine. I don't don't expect anything from you, I'm glad you're here. Just keep coming, just keep coming. That is important, but are we talking to people about why they are coming? What do we want for them? What is happening to us? What are we doing when we are coming? What are we saying? Sometimes I feel like we invite people to an event. Come to church. It's kinda like going to the movies. Just come to church. No, you are coming for a life-changing experience. You are coming because I want you to have a life that worships him. I know we want to be good. I told this story last service. I'm gonna tell it again. I talked to someone recently who literally was like, I'm a spiritual person. I was like good for you I don't know what that means like okay you're, I'm spiritual I'm not, I'm not a Christian but I'm spiritual and I'm like okay they're part of them is spiritual I'm, well yes we are created we are both physical and spiritual my question to her was who is your lord her answer was herself she said I lord my own life I'll eat it well, that's not gonna work for you like how do we do that that's where we're, we're missing it with people. We accept people saying, I'm spiritual. We accept people saying, I'm Christian, but yet they are hating on other people. They are gossiping. They are hurting someone. And we're like, it's fine. Just let them do their thing. What if their thing is of this world and not of God? What if their thing is actually causing a division and we're actually hurting one another by just not wanting to be truthful and honest and love people with the truth. It's dangerous, dangerous place to be. Because the more we do that, the more we look like everyone else, the more we act like everyone else, the more all of a sudden the power of the gospel loses power because we water it down to make it comfortable for us and for those around us. Church, we don't wanna water it down We want this word of God to impact everyone in this world like it has impacted each and every one of you. We want the word of God to be in every heart, not your softened version of I love you where you're at, which is true, we need to love people where we're at, but we can't just let people stay there. We have to model surrender. We have to model what it means to live our lives for him because there's consequences if not. In verse 13 it says, after he challenged this man, in verse 13 it says, then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen. I think we forget. I think we sometimes tell ourselves that everyone's going to heaven. You're not going to heaven because you're a good person. You're not going to heaven because you just say you're a Christian, but you haven't lived one day for him. The path to the kingdom of God is narrow, but it is open to everyone. And there is a consequence those who do not enter the kingdom of God enter into this abyss, to this darkness where there is this gnashing of teeth. There is no one in my life that I want to have that be their destiny in their eternity. But there are people in my life who I kid you not are the hardest people to talk about about Jesus with. They have every answer that they can think of, every defense. But you know what? Instead of talking to them now, I'm just trying to love them like no one else has loved them. Create conversation because I'm willing to be there and be the hands and feet instead of preach at someone. Sometimes we just have to figure out any creative way we can to be Jesus because God never gives up. As long as we have breath, that invitation is there for every person, no matter what you think about them. We are called to love everyone. You might not like what they do, but they are still worthy of love and God still loves them. Many are chosen or many are called. Everyone's called, but not everybody's gonna choose God. But I don't want that to be a reason why we don't share the gospel. That is not a reason. Sometimes I think we tell ourselves they're just not gonna choose it, so why put the effort in? Because we are called, because we have purpose because we have testimonies, because we are a people who are relentless because he has relentless love for us. So therefore we relentlessly love the people around us. It should never, ever give up, ever. As we close, I know there are people in here who are either God stirring in your heart for a next step. Actually, I know every person in here has a next step because none of us have arrived. None of us have reached a growth point where we're just good. Maybe some of you have been Christians for a long time. Maybe you profess Jesus as Lord but you have still never been baptized. Why not? It's not gonna save you but what will it do? You go down in that water as the old life and you come up in the new life and everyone around you sees that testimony just in that action alone, that you declare Jesus is Lord. Why not celebrate? Why not go down? Why not take the risk? There is everyone in this room is called to take the next step. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe for some of you, it's like, I don't know how to read my Bible. I don't know how to grow. I don't know. It's confusing. And it can be, but we could teach you to read your Bible. You can teach you what it means to follow Christ. You can take Christianity 101. You can get in a men's group. You can be in a women's group. Maybe for some of you, you need a mentor. Maybe someone one-on-one. There is a lot of wisdom in this room. And there is a lot of people who could use some of that wisdom. We all have next steps. so my challenge to you is that you will take one that you don't spend another Sunday or another week of your life going to church and you're more excited about lunch than you are what you heard from the Lord today honestly we should be on fire for him on fire looking for what he has New Life Church I'm telling you there's a lot going on here there is I got to pray with a young lady last time I was up here. I've heard stories about people accepting Christ. I have talked to parents who are literally being influenced by their kids. I have talked to grandparents who are literally saying, I didn't know there was more. There is people of every age who are steward right now. Stirred, steered, something like that. For the Lord. So let's just move. Let's move where he is moving. So will you stand with me? My prayer for us is that we all take a step today. We all make a plan. We all know what our next step is as we leave here today. And that if you're stirred, you need to talk to someone. If you need prayer, come up forward. If you want more information about any of the things I talked about, you go out to uh, one of the counters out there, and someone will talk to you or pray with you. But maybe it be a church that is on fire for him. And may the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, blessings upon you. Amen.